time he comes. Uh, he challenges us, and he shares so much from the heart and uh, illustrations out of a life of service to our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're just, uh, we kind of a tremendous privilege to have him for this Together, team, they, they do what? They work up a profile. And he was showing me some of the questions last night that we will we'll answer these questions and then they're going to be able to profile our spiritual gifts and just what gifts maybe uh, clearly that God has given us or that, he, that, that uh, this profile may indicate that God has given us. And uh, I'm sure that it will be helpful in many ways in our life. So you want to make sure and stay tuned to this conference. He's going to share a little bit more about it. But it's with great joy and I count it a privilege to have Dr. Earl Rodmacher with us this morning. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's me. All right, good. Thank you, Pastor Arch. I won't make any jokes about you this morning. Either in the bulletin or the pews or anything else. Well, we have been requested to do a conference on a much-talked-about subject, the believer's spiritual gifts. And I'd like you to take your bulletin, if you would, for a moment. I would like to take you through the uh, series to explain the direction that we're headed. I think that would be helpful for you. I will start this morning in this service with the God of the gifts. It is my deep conviction that your use of the gifts of God will only be as great as your understanding of the God of the gifts. These are not toys. They are not playthings. These are relationships within the body of Christ that are very real. And they will only be as real to you as the reality of the person of God himself. So I want to uh, preach a sermon this morning on the God of the gifts. And I'll explain that a bit more in just a moment. Then uh, tonight at 6 o'clock, we want to move into the introduction uh, proper of the gifts, the spiritual gifts. What are these things that we talk about as spiritual gifts? And uh, we'll move into the need for them, etc., etc. Then tomorrow night... Uh, we will get into the description of the gifts. There will be a verbal, visual description of each of the gifts. What is it? And uh, we will uh, state a little bit about what is a gift and what is not a gift. We, we have some people that get a list of 25 or 30 gifts and, uh, and other people who have very few to speak of. Uh, I believe that there are 16 gifts that are actually mentioned in the scripture. Uh, Five uh, gifts are speaking gifts, seven gifts are serving gifts, and four gifts are historical gifts that are not uh, part of the gifted package of believers today. 
We will get into that in some detail. The thing that I'm a bit fearful of is uh, uh, knowing that I have no terminal facilities, uh, that uh, this could go on all night long. And uh, so I, you pray for me that I will be able to uh, know how to state it in a brief period of time that can fit into the time that we're allotted here. And grace upon grace, if, if this could possibly happen, that there would even be some time left for questions, that would be miraculous. So pray for a miracle uh, tonight and the next nights. And then uh, the confusion of the gifts on Tuesday night. Uh, and then the identification of spiritual gifts on Wednesday night. How can I know what my gift is? And uh, this is very important because in the ongoing work of salvation, some of you remember a message I did here, I believe, on the three tenses of salvation. And in that middle tense of salvation, where we are saved from the uh, power of sin, uh, comes the area of uh, spiritual gifting. And what I do with my spiritual gift will have a great deal to do with what I will do in the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ on this earth. Uh, maybe some of you, this is really stretching our minds a little bit, may even remember uh, a statement that I coined to put this together. Uh, namely, I am becoming today by what I do with what he gave me, what I will be in the life to come. That puts the three tenses of salvation all together. I am becoming today, that's present tense salvation. We call sanctification salvation. With what I do, with what he gave me, that's past tense salvation. Salvation from the penalty of sin. And what I do with what he gave me, past tense, will determine what I will be in eternity. That's pretty overwhelming. Even when I say it, it's almost overwhelming. This little period of stuff called time becomes the raw material out of that which will be determined as my capacity to serve Jesus Christ eternally. That uh, makes it pretty important what we do with the 83,400 moments that we have every day. So... Uh, we want to help you on that, not only by teaching what the scripture says about spiritual gifting and its relationship to the future, 
But we want to also use the inventory that Pastor uh, Arch told us about a moment ago. To do that inventory uh, will uh, cost you $7. And uh, to uh, the process of time that you will go through will be at least two hours to do it. Uh, some of you may be a little slow, and it may take you four or five hours. Uh, I've had people take longer than that, and I tell them, don't do that. Because this is not a test, it's an inventory. And uh, you're not supposed to figure out what should I say, but uh, what do I feel about it? This is one time when you can really go by your feelings. And as you think of the particular questions that we ask you out of 192 questions and three possibilities in each question, uh, what comes to your mind about that question with respect to you? How do you see you? So uh, we will have booklets made. And uh, my wife is here with me because she regularly runs these through a uh, computer uh, program. And we print out for you about an 8 to 10 foot long uh, picture of you according to your gift. Uh, so you're not, you're not going to get a grade on the test. You just want to tell the truth because uh, this is one time when it may help you to tell the truth about yourself. And uh, we do not all have the same gifts. Uh, it uh, will become very obvious to you as you listen to me and as you listen to Pastor Arch and others that we are very different. Uh, you will, if you meet my wife, you'll find that we are very different. And that's why it's taken us uh, 52 years to learn how to get along with each other. And uh, God extends some of our marriages a long time because he knows we've got a lot of work to do. And, uh, and Ruth is the, is the greatest. And uh, uh, I, we, when, well, I won't go on to say too much more. She has a gift of mercy. I don't know mercy. I just... Uh, Dig in and go for the juggler vein. And she's always putting a salve on those things, especially with our kids. And uh, so when, when they think of uh, mercy, they don't think of me on this Father's Day. They think of uh, their mother. And uh, so enough said on that. We will, uh, we will use that inventory together with... Uh, a message on identifying your spiritual gift. Now, I, I need to tell you that uh, this, this will not happen unless we're here together. And so we need to be here, and I will try to be here each time, and if I can get out of bed, and uh, I hope that you will be able to do the same. 
And I brought, what would it be like if I didn't bring books, some of you who know me. So uh, we mentioned the salvation book, and in that present tense of salvation, there is a chapter of questions and answers and some informational material on spiritual gifting in the book on salvation. Uh, In the nature of the church, which is the uh, first book that I did, Good grief, that's got to be 40 years ago, more than 40 years ago. Uh, Let me think about this. Yes, it is more than 40 years ago. And uh, I think the thing that was most exciting to me in my doctoral studies on the church, uh, I went through probably 400 books in that study, and... uh, The thing that really grabbed me the most was how simple God makes his portrayal of the church. You can read all kinds of philosophy about it. But God has a a beautiful, well I call it uh, his scrapbook uh, of uh, pictures. Sacred snapshots uh, in the... uh, scrapbook of God about the church and we're going to use one of those this morning so if there's about a hundred pages in the middle of that book if you can wade through the first couple of chapters which uh, sometimes get people a little discouraged dealing with the words and so on and so forth but if you get into the middle of it and especially if you get to the metaphors of the church I think that may be And I open her to you. I hope it will be. And then the most important passage in the Word of God, as far as I am concerned, for believers, is the upper room discourse. The guys that came into that room were a sorry lot. Even though they had walked with Jesus for three and a half years. And they came into that, that room arguing with one another as to who was going to be greatest in the kingdom. That's not a good testimony of spirituality. And uh, uh, the Lord Jesus modeled for them disciple making from the master disciple maker. And it boils down to two things. He modeled How to be a servant. And he modeled how to love. And disciple making boils down to that. You say, why did it take you 480 pages to say it? Well, it's because some of us are are a little slow, I guess. uh, But the disciple maker is uh, my favorite passage in uh, the Word of God for growth. All of us ought to be seeking to not only lead people to Jesus Christ, lead people to receive the gift of God's grace of eternal life, but we ought to be seeking then to disciple that person so that they become a mature person that can in turn go out and lead others to Christ who will disciple others, etc., etc., Second uh, Timothy 2.2 says, The things which I have taught you, Timothy, among many witnesses, the same commit to others 
who shall be able to teach others also. So, uh, these reading materials may be the kind of thing that will help you in that. Uh, they kind of are like a, a printed faculty. And you can go back to it and review it and review it and learn. Now, uh, where am I? Let's see, we get through at uh, 12.30, is that right? Uh, <laughs> he gets nervous when I get up here. His, his legs are already shaking. You see that? Go, going like this. He can hardly help it. This comes naturally. Okay. Now, I'm going to be very simple this morning. I'm going to preach a sermon from my body. My body. Not yours. Mine. And therefore, this morning during this time, you will want to focus on this body. I realize that may be a little difficult for you for an extended period of time, but work on it. And, well, you say, what right do you have to use your body as a sermon outline? Because God did. And that's why I do it. I said to you that there are six sacred metaphors in God's picture book of the church. Two of them deal with the unity of the church. Two of them deal with the service of the church. Two of them deal with the position of the church. Those that deal with the unity of the church are the church as a vine. Christ the vine and we the branches in the vine. I want to launch out into that one uh, this week. Uh, but that is a magnificent picture. It's the picture that has changed people from a loser in their life in Christ to a winner. Because they understand who they are in Christ. And that's the only one of the metaphors that Jesus introduces to us. And he does that in John 15. The vine and the branches... In each case, Christ is the focal point. So he says, I am the true vine. My father is the viticulturalist. He's the vine dresser. He is the husbandman. And you are branches in the vine. Beautiful picture. That gives you unity unto fruitfulness. Unity unto fruitfulness. But then the one that is most paramount in Paul's teaching and other of the apostles is the church as a body. The church as a body of which Jesus Christ is the head. And that teaches us unity unto order in the family of God. Two pictures of unity. The vine and the branches, the head and the body. Secondly, there are two pictures of service. Uh, one of those is my service of independent access to the throne of God on behalf of others. And that's called the high priest, Jesus, and the priesthood. Then there is a second picture of service, and that is the picture of the church 
as a flock of sheep. I won't be able to get into that this week either, but I had ten sheep for a while, and I'm here to testify to you that they are the dumbest animals on earth. And uh, I, Ruth said, I, I, I am offended that, uh, that God calls us sheep after having had them. Uh, and, uh, but take it for what it's worth, uh, God may have looked at us and said, yeah, they're sheep. The dumbest animals on earth. Uh, it takes us a long time to capture some things. But that's our dependent submission. Our dependent submission. So you have an independent access to the throne of God. And we have dependent submission within the family of God. Starting with God and our leaders and one another. Then there are two pictures of the position. One is present tense and another is future tense. The picture of the church in the present tense is as a building. Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. And we, the living stones, being built into the building. Oh, it's awful to have to resist going off into these. They're so beautiful. And there's the final one that's future tense. It is a consummation. Consummation. And that's the picture of the church as a bride. Jesus Christ, the bridegroom. Beautiful, beautiful picture. Now, I want to take... Uh, for uh, a message this morning the picture of the church as a body and Jesus Christ as the head so what we need to do then is because Jesus Christ the apostles see the church as a body every one of us has one of them so we don't have to look anywhere else You've got a body, and you spend a lot of time looking at it, and decorating it, and clothing it, and whatever else it needs. We are very consumed with the body, uh, physically, materially, etc. But uh, for our purposes now, so that we'll all be focused... I want you to look at this body. And uh, as you look at my body, uh, there is one thing that stands out preeminently in my body uh, that you just can't avoid. And uh, that is my head. And as you look at it, you will make some observations. Uh, some are not worth even talking about. Others are more significant. For example, very simply, you notice that my head is singular, not plural. And if you did look around a little bit, you would find that I have that in common with everybody else you know. Uh, you have never had 
a view of a two-headed human being. Uh, we, we have seen some monstrosities in the animal world. Uh, I have seen a two-headed calf back in Iowa. Uh, I've seen a bull that had four eyes instead of two. Uh, we see some weird things. But uh, you don't see any human being with two heads. And when you bring that over to the spiritual understanding of the body and its head, Jesus Christ, there are not multiple heads. That's a pretty simple observation, isn't it? What does that mean by way of application? It means that there is not a head in heaven and a head on earth. There is not a head in heaven and a head who is the, the Pope of the Catholic Church. There is not a head in heaven and a head who is the pastor of this church. Uh, there is not a head in heaven and a head who is the chairman of the board. There's no and there. There is a singular head of the church who is secondly sovereign over the body. He calls all the shots. Ah... For my heavier reading sometimes, I read Reader's Digest. And uh, years ago, they had a, uh, a series of articles. It went on and on and on uh, on uh, the body. And, and they, they took the man's body. Uh, for a while, they got off on Jane's body. But Joe's body was the main thing. And then they came into Jane, and they came quickly back to Joe. And uh, in those articles on Joe's body, one of them was called, I am Joe's hypothalamus. Anybody here know what a hypothalamus is? All right, must be a doctoral student, huh? <laughs> I am Joe's hypothalamus. Well, let me give you a layman's description of it in the body. Uh, it is a gray prune-shaped thing at the base of your brain. It calls all the shots for your body. And uh, how does that work out? Well, it, uh, if I'm working in the kitchen, uh, let's, supposing we let's suppose we have one of those stoves that doesn't have any elements that you can see. And you never quite know where the hot spot is. And let's suppose that you... Uh, inadvertently happen to place your finger on the hot spot. Immediately, there are all kinds of directions that go out. And the hypothalamus sends a director direction out to your finger. Get off the element, you idiot, before you burn to death. And immediately, my finger comes up off that hot place, right? That is, unless you're insane. Unless you have a real mental problem. And there are some dear folk who have that problem. 
And we have got to put up strictures to keep them from doing certain things. But the normal thing is to obey the head. And the normal thing in the church, the body of Christ, is to recognize the all-sufficiency of the singular, sovereign head over the body. Jesus is head, God's Word says. How qualified is he? Turn with me, will you, to uh, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. I want you to see these things with your own eyeballs, as well as in the picture of the body. In chapter 1, and I won't take the time to read the whole thing here, we do not have the time to do that. But he is describing this Jesus, who is the head, in verse 15. And he says, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. In other words, He is that which may be seen of that which cannot be seen. The firstborn over all creation. Superior over all creation. For by Him... All things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth. And if some of you have seen the Moody Science films on the universe, it is mind-boggling to see how huge, how huge that is. And that's just a speck of reality. We are able today to look at the edge of the universe and notice the expansion of it. And numbers of stars and galaxies that cannot even be numbered. And yet, the psalmist reports that God has counted them all and has numbered them. Wow. Who did it? For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether you can see it or can't see it. And ultimate reality today, I am told, is something we can't even see with our eyeballs. Remember how short a time ago it was that uh, scientists said the smallest thing in all the world, in all the universe, is an atom. And then all of those science books all of a sudden were out of date when they split the atom. And now they, they don't even know what it is because they haven't seen it, so they've called it a quark. Magnificent. Jesus Christ, by Him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and what? And for Him. And He 
is before all things. Obviously, the Creator has to be before the created things. Everything else is a created thing. Only He is the uncreated cause. He is before all things. And in Him, not only are they created, but He holds them together. Why doesn't the movement of the universe spin it off? Because He's holding it together. And He, now this is what I want you to really see. And He, Jesus Christ, the head, He is the head of the body, the church. The same thing who created all things that are and who providentially holds all things together is also the one who is the head of the church. What a significant family to be in. God's family. Is he big enough for you? Is he powerful enough for you? If uh, you don't understand that, you will not make much out of spiritual gifts. But if you understand that in your grace salvation package, God gave every one of you spiritual gifting, you'll take it seriously. But only to the extent that you recognize who is the head, who is the singular sovereign source of all direction for the body. Well, let me take another step with my body. Uh, as you look at my body and focus on my head, uh, you recognize that it is connected. And that's a good thing. Uh, my head is connected to my body. And uh, that develops a relationship of dependency. I've already spoken of the dependency of the members of the, of the body on the head for his sovereign direction. But not only is the, are the members of the body dependent upon the head, the head has so ordained that there is a dependency, believe it or not, of the head on the members of the body. Mercy me, I remember when I was a guy. I get him so far from it now, I can't even remember the date. But I remember my folks uh, took me, the last of eight kids to the farm. Most of my brothers and sisters had had some experience on the farm. And they kind of looked down on city kids that didn't know anything. Uh, people that were reared on the farm, they really understood life and so forth. They tell me. So they took me to the farm and dumped me there for a summer so I could learn something. And uh, boy, I got good news right off the bat. 
this dear lady, the mother of the household there where I stayed, oh, she was a cook. And I learned that we were going to have a country fried chicken dinner. And I could already, in my mind's imagination, smell it. And in addition to that, we were going to have black raspberry pie. Now, I don't know if you know what black raspberries are. Black caps. Oh, that's wonderful. And could she ever make the pie? And uh, I got all this good news as soon as I was deposited on the farm. But then I got another set of news. I was going to be the one that was going to kill the chicken. And I had never killed a chicken before. I had no idea how you did that. And, uh, but I knew I had to get one before I could kill it, and so I ran out into the chicken yard. And I began take, chasing those creatures all over the yard. And uh, they, they are clever at evading you. And uh, they, they had little paths through stickery bushes that I was following them through and I was getting scratched up and madder by the minute. And finally, I cornered one of those creatures in the V of the fence and fell on it, practically smashed it, but got it in my hands. And I took it down to the woodshed where there was an axe on the wall. And somehow I'd picked up the idea that you had to take its head off and so I laid that chicken on the chopping block. And after three good tries, I finally got its head off. And its head dropped down to the side of the block. And I thought to myself, there, you thought you were so smart, uh, making a fool out of me, running me all over that yard to try to catch you. And now, you are not doing anything. As I looked at the head, you're not doing anything. Same equipment in the head as it had before when it was being run all, running me all over the chicken yard. Same eyes that it had, same brain that it had. Now doing nothing. Why? Disconnected. And when I thought about that, I thought about what was in my other hand still. And when my eyes went from that chicken's head down there, uh, past the front of me, and I saw what had happened to the front of me as a result of this disconnection, I was constrained to let go of it. And when I let go of it, the strangest thing happened. It did not simply drop to the ground, like the head dropped to the ground. But instead it went up in the air, flying all over the chicken yard, just like that. And I learned a lesson. He was acting like a chicken with its head cut off. Have you ever heard that phrase used? How many have heard that before? Oh, yeah, yeah. And what do we mean? Doesn't make any sense. That chicken had a lot of movement. But no sane movement. 
And that is precisely what happens when the head is disconnected, disfellowshipped. When holy God cannot have a relationship with sinful man that cuts off fellowship for the believer it does not cut off eternal life as you have been well taught but any sin considered and practiced by the believer immediately brings a breach in fellowship with the singular sovereign head of the body so I need to take care of that the book on fellowship tells us first John I need to take care of that and see that I'm not walking out of fellowship with him because the use of the gifts will not have the blessing of the Spirit of God without that kind of connection Not only is the head the singular sovereign source of all direction for the body. And not only are the members of the body, pardon me, not only is the, the head dependent upon the members of the body, but the members of the body are dependent upon the head for direction. The head is dependent upon the members of the body, if he is ever to get his work done. He has ordained that so. And don't lay that off onto God's sovereignty. Well, he will do it some way. No, he won't. God has ordained that he will use the people of God to do the work of God. And that the people of God do not... Learn their spiritual gift to do the work of God. The work will not get done. And that will all be evaluated at the Bema. And for those of you who are in that Beamer class, I'm not talking about a car. The Bema, the judgment seat of Christ where it will be determined whether the activities of the members of the body were suitable for reward or not. Christ will not, uh, off the wall, determine who will do what. You and I are determining it today with what we do with what he gave us. Part of the loss in my life will be uh, the first seven years of my Christian life. Which is now, goes back to 60 years ago. I know I don't look that old and I didn't let you know how, I, how old I was earlier when some of you dear, dear people stood. But uh, at 14 years of age, 60 years ago, uh, I... Uh, I came to faith in Jesus Christ at Twin Rocks Beach, Oregon, at a boys' camp. 
And I received Christ as my Savior. But I was not taught at all in that church. You people are blessed to be taught here. I was not taught. They just gave the same gospel message with different illustrations every Sunday. And I didn't need to be born again and again and again and again and again. Once I was born again and had a stewardship of life, I needed somebody to teach me so that I could steward the life that I received for nothing well. But that wasn't there. And so for seven years I was bored and attended anyway. But then after... Seven years, a man by the name of Billy Graham came to Portland, Oregon for his third campaign. He tells us now that this next New York campaign will likely be his last, if he makes it to that. We built a tabernacle to seat 10,000, 30,000 people came. I went every night. And every Sunday, God, like the hound of heaven, tracked me down. One of his children, who was wayward and uninvolved. And uh, I even went to the women's meeting that they had on a Sunday afternoon. And those chauvinistic women wouldn't let me in. But you can't say I didn't try. And at the last meeting, about ten minutes before the end of the service, I had a strong conviction God was calling me to preach. And if you'd have told me that ahead of time, I'd have told you, you're absolutely out of your mind. This guy preached? No way! I'm an investment statistician. That's why I went to savings and loan school. God had other plans. Went forward and talked to Cliff Barrows, and I said, what do I do now? He said, now you go to college. I said, wait a minute, I've already been to Savings and Loan School. He said, that won't do you any good. Well, been uphill, beautiful trip ever since. For the last uh, 50 years. Wow. But there needed to be a dealing with the understanding of the stewardship that I have of that great salvation package that includes my spiritual gift, which I will be evaluated by at the judgment seat of Christ. What would you do with it, Rodmacher? And what are you doing with it? The head and the body. And the interrelationship between the members of the head. My final point.
Not only is there the relationship of the head to the body and the body to the head, but the relationship of the members of the body to one another. Huge subject in the scripture. And the Apostle Paul talks about that one in 1 Corinthians 12. It's, a, it's one of the most humorous passages that Paul ever wrote. Uh, frankly, uh, Paul was a pretty sober theologian. He, he didn't practice very much humor. But this one really gets humorous. Listen to it in 1 Corinthians 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. Direct identification, isn't it? So also is Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many members. Now listen, if the foot should say, now try to get your imagination going if you can. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Can you picture that? Here's a foot in a stinky, sweaty old sock inside of a sweaty shoe, uh, slopping along uh, under 185 pounds of Aberdepoy uh, through sunshine and rain and mud and dry and uh, meeting all kinds of people. And when it meets people, it never sticks out its foot and says, Hi, how are you? Glad to see you. Now, we don't do that, do we? Uh, the foot stays down there and we extend the hand. And the hand gets washed many times during the course of a day. You don't wash your feet many times during the day. And so finally this foot begins to think about that. And it says, you know, uh, I don't get the kind of care that the hand gets in the body. So I think I'm going to revolt. Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Whatever position and gifting God has given you. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? Can't you picture a body that's just an eyeball? One big spongy, bouncy eyeball sitting out here on the parking lot? What good would an eyeball be without an eyeball socket? But who wants to be an eyeball socket? Ah, eyes are such marvelous things. Ah, you go out with your wife and you sit down to have a dinner together when we were dating. And uh, I look over at Ruth and say, what beautiful brown eyes you have. Uh, I don't reach over and cup her ear and say, you have the loveliest ears? Is that because I don't have any respect for ears? Uh, I, I uh, uh, admire her, her eyes. 
not her ears. That's not what I talk about. So therefore, the ears are not important. Oh, the ears are very important. I have a little bite here on my hand from a blasted mosquito. And I keep scratching on that and it itches and I scratch it some more. That cell in my body that that mosquito stuck its what? Probosis into? Uh, it's got me all upset. So that cell is important in my body if it happens to not be functioning right. Every cell in the body of Christ is significant and needs to be handled with care. I put a cut in my finger yesterday on an airline magazine, a paper cut. I just ran my finger. Started bleeding right away. What do I do? I take care of it. I stop it from bleeding. Why? It's a member of my body. I take care of my body. Because if I don't, we're going to be in trouble. That's why when Paul gets to the end of this section, and you can finish out reading it, he says in verses 26 and 27, listen to it. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. In other words, if one member in my body, the church, is hurting, to some extent, we all hurt, whether we recognize it or not. We're all affected by that person's hurt, God says in his book. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Why can we all rejoice when one member is honored? The gentleman who graduated top in his class. Uh, we all... Great! We're all blessed by that. Because another member of the body of Christ has done well and is recognized in that area. And we are benefited by that. If a member doesn't do well, we also are the recipients of that result. So Paul spells out this relationship in detail. Now let me close with an illustration. Getting nervous yet, Pastor? Not quite. Uh, I was preaching at a church in Hood River, Oregon, which in our area is apple country, Oregon. And uh, the delicious apples that they used to have are being outdone by all kinds of brands that are out there today. But when this happened to me, that was the best apple you could get. Big, red, delicious apple. Ruth says the golden delicious is better. Oh, well. They gave me on the pulpit, when I came to the pulpit in the evening, an apple the size of which I had never seen before. It was six inches in diameter. Crisp, juicy, delicious apple. I cut it in six parts. Each part was the equivalent of a normal apple. 
enough for my whole family. And uh, even as I'm talking about it right now, do you know what I have happening? There's a saliva that's gathering in the back of my throat. It's getting ready for that apple. My body is already cooperating. It's preparing for what it believes to be the inevitable, lest I trick it. And, uh, and so I, I pick up that body, that, 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 uh, that uh, apple, and the hypothalamus goes into action. It says, pick up that apple. And my fingers come down on that apple. And they, uh, uh, one of them doesn't stay out like this and say, oh, I haven't been thanked for a long time for this. I'm not going to do it. it. It doesn't know any better than to obey the head. It says, pick up that apple, pick up that apple. And... Uh, then my, a message goes down to my elbow and it says, bring that apple up here. And my, my member of my body is, is responsive. And, and it, it has good sense too because it doesn't bring it over here and it doesn't bring it over here. It brings it right up here uh, where there happens to be a hole in my head <laughs> called my mouth. And, uh, and another direction goes up and it says to these jaws out here, open your mouth! And my mouth opens up. And so there's plenty of room now for this apple to go in. And around the perimeter of that opening is ivory. It's tremendous. Called teeth. And, uh, and they get an instruction say, come down on that apple. And they come down. Very obedient. Ah, because they know... If they don't chew that apple up before I swallow it, I'm going to choke to death and that'll be the end of the body. And so they come down on that apple and they chew it and chew it. And as they mash it up, uh, some of it begins to slip down a tube back here. And you want to be sure to get the right tube. Uh, Arch practically choked last night at dinner because he got the wrong uh, uh, tube and... And uh, Carolyn said, are, are you all right? Crazy body wouldn't get it right. And uh, so one of those, the cap comes down. The other one, the cap opens up. If it's all obeying the, the head. And then that, uh, that comes down. And this, this stuff starts going down that tube. Mm. And it goes down into here. And all kinds of marvelous things happen down here. And down there it says, Oh, that was so good. Give me another bite. And so we go through it again. No, not right now. How many members of my body are involved in the assimilation of a bite of apple? Every one of them. If it's going to be successful. And to the degree that the assimilation is there, the body will profit from it. To the degree, the degree that it's not there, the body will not profit from it. And to the degree that you as members of the body called church are involved in understanding, in 
discovering and developing and deploying your spiritual gift or gifts to that same extent. This church will be effective in doing the job it has been called by Jesus Christ to do. Which will only get done to the extent that we know who we are in the eternal God with eternal salvation that has eternal reward. Only then will this place really be effective to its fullest. And probably none of you has ever known yet what could be, what could happen in this place if we simply understand and obey God's picture of the church as a human, as a, as a body. The head is singular, sovereign source of all that we need. And he has given adequate gifting to every believer to be what he wants them to be. And if the members of the body who have been ordained by the head of the body are obedient and living in fellowship with the head of the body, only then will we really have the ministry one to another and be effective in the work of God for this day. Let's bow and thank the Lord. Father, I want to thank you for the magnificent wisdom that you have exercised in bringing together people into body relationship. People who have received the gift of eternal life and with that salvation package have received spiritual gifting their tools for operating as a Christian in and through this church out to this community for the eternal glory of Jesus Christ Thank you, Father. And may your Holy Spirit be given way to teach each of us how to operate as that gifted member of the body. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you get out your hymnals and stand, please? We're going to go to hymn 404, Faith of Our Fathers.
and as a body 